Welcome to Flighty Thoughts, meaningful conversation over a flight of beer. I'm your host, David. And Bevel. Tell us where we are, Bev. <laughs> I, I have missed messing with you. Uh, no, that's okay. I, I was strong-minded for this today. Well, I was thinking about that. I always mess with you, and it's just been too long since we recorded this dang pandemic. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about uh, our recording plans for the future. Um, but there, there are new things coming. Yeah, there is. But maybe we'll hint about it at the what end. What was of this I supposed episode. to say? I've dr- I've drunken two of these already. <laughs> is that the correct terminology? Let's start by saying where we're at. We're, we're at Flyway. Flyway. Brewery. Flyway Brewery. 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 Blu-ray. Uh, Flyway Brewery. And I have to say, hands down. Of, North Little Rock. Of, uh, yeah, North Little Rock. Of the breweries in this area of Arkansas so far, this one is my favorite and the one I return to the most outside of recording. Yeah, we were uh, joking before we started recording that uh, this is our new Rebel Kettle. Hmm. We used to love Rebel Kettle. Then um, Rebel Kettle changed. And it will soon be no moss, I feel. Just being honest. But let's focus on where we are. We have some great people here. It's in Dogtown, which is pretty great. So if you have a chance to come out and check it out, you can. We better introduce our guest. Uh, He's going to help bring the balance here because I've I've already spilt some beer. Uh, I've been clumsy, Butterfingers. Um, Oh, man. Matt Carter is a dear friend of mine. Uh, We enjoy doing a lot of new stuff, driving, although I'm driving today. Usually drive for us. And, dude, dude, we, we should talk about road rage. But anyway... Uh, Matt Carter, just tell folks who you are, um, and we'll tell just, us how just, you know Bevel just, too. Yeah, how you know, and how you and David know each other. Okay, um, so I'm Matt Carter. Like Bevel said, I actually met Bevel back in college. He was an intern at the Wesley Foundation uh, when I started coming around, hanging out, and um, yeah, we just kind of connected then when he was there, and he moved away, and I didn't really keep up with him after he moved, and then. I found him again one day in Arkansas, and I thought it was weird that a guy from Louisiana wound up in Arkansas, and then I was <laughs> like, I'm that guy from Louisiana that's back in Arkansas, too, so it works out that way. And there's irony to that, because we we know a mutual friend who is from Arkansas, and now is a minister in Louisiana, and he grew up in El Dorado. Oh, yeah, that's Alan? right, Alan. Yeah. 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 Alan Johnson. He's yeah. the switch watch. Yeah. yeah, really. Yep. And uh, it's really cool, because David's brother-in-law was my college roommate for several years uh we lived in a little i say little log cabin it was a huge log cabin out in the middle of nowhere uh (laughs) and i would show up uh at home and everybody'd be in my room with the fire blazing and playing the xbox and all that and so i had no privacy i basically lived in the living room you had the cool room though yeah it's like the cool mom where all the kids come and play oh yeah and then they'd get mad at me because the gas bill was so high every month (laughs) And I'm like, guys, I have literally been here four days. I'm just going to say, I'm filtering a Tony story right now, but I'm fondly thinking of him. I'm sure sure we could all filter Tony's story. Oh, Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So let's talk about the beers that we have here uh, before we dive into the conversation with Matt and the storytelling on Bevel, which will be good to go. Hey, I want to actually give a shout out. I uh, recently joined a Facebook group called Beer Geeks of Arkansas. Okay. Uh, Check them out. They do like roll calls, show what you're drinking and stuff. And one guy, uh, I mentioned the podcast, he actually does one. He's originally from Fort Smith, lives in Houston. So uh, Drew and Adam have a podcast called Beerin' Ain't Easy. Beerin' Ain't Easy. And, nice. you know, our podcast is definitely about like what we talk about. As long as it's meaningful, it's good. Um, and we give our thoughts on the beer, but not to the level that they do. And wow. I'm okay with that anyway. But I, I like how they talk about Untapped, which if you're a beer connoisseur and love, you know, a community and stuff like that check it out they will rate their beers by the numbers excellent and so i thought that was cool so i just wanted to give them a shout out uh go listen to them uh they're pretty funny what's it called uh, beering ain't easy beering ain't easy awesome check it out check it out 
So I'm drinking a coffee stout, a fruit cake, a pale ale, and a Christmas ale. And I just have to say, I'm just in a pale ale mood today. So oh, that's the one that's you're making my heart go pitter patter, right? <laughs> Finally, it's taken. It's literally taken a year. No, but I, I, uh, I like pale ales before I got into the world of IPAs. Yeah, and I'd say I still like pale ales. Um, I, I actually, when I go out and buy beer, I still buy IPAs mm-hmm. to try them out. I'm still not 100 percent there. I like them, but I, I don't love them like you do. Right. Let me tell you about the pale ale here at Flyway. A lot of times you get pale ales from breweries or any and you know some of the bigger ones some of the smaller ones and there's just a subtle difference between their ipa and their pale ale it's not here this paragon pale ale is the pretty top notch yeah and uh it it's got that american pale ale flavor to it that really separates it from their early bird which is their ipa which is another good ipa where they use darker malts for that as well yeah one of the things i've always liked about flyway is that when you read the title of the beer when you taste it you can actually understand where the title came from, where a yeah. lot of times you go to a brewery and they'll name something mm-hmm. and you'll take a drink and you're like, yeah, I don't see that. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting <laughs> that. But here I've always liked that you can pretty much judge by the title what it's going to taste like. That being said, before you introduce yours, you mentioned a fruitcake beer. It's actually a fruitcake Belgian strong, which is a combination between a Belgian ale and then I forgot what the other one was, but it's it's pretty top notch. It goes down smooth for sure, yeah, especially for a eight point two percent alcohol beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can taste the eight point two. Yeah, yeah. So I'm drinking the uh, free range brown ale, the fruit cake, uh, the Christi- Christmas ale, the Christian ale, the Christmas right. ale. Well, and I mean, uh, the Rainbow Connection, and uh, I usually try to work through them all like on an even basis, but I'm really having a hard time leaving the free range ale, mm. but I'm really excited about the rainbow connection, which is the Sherbert ale, yeah. which I thought that was pretty, you know, neat in and of itself. So I'm kind of excited. So this brings up two way. things for me. One, I also got the Sherbert ale I never had. I was afraid to try it. And that's the one I started with. And it is fantastic. It's amazing. It's crisp, but not like overly sour. And it's super smooth. Mm. It's uh, uh, the other thing is, is how you drink your flight. I think both of you guys kind of like bounce from beer to beer, right? See, I try to. Try to? Yeah. I, I mean, bounce, Bevel's like. I bounce, and then the one I like, like the least, which none of them, it's not like I wouldn't buy again, but I want to end on the one that I just love. So oh, that's I'm nice. done with my other three. Right now, I'm drinking the Pale Ale. See, I'm, I'm like all in for one. I'll drink the, I'm going to drink the Sherbert Ale until it's over, and then I'm going to go to a different one and just work my way from hoppy to stout. That's probably what I'm going to end up doing today. Yeah. Like, I've kind of got it already figured out the I, direction I'm going to drink it. I will I'm say. I'm probably taking home some of this I, Sherbert I'm going to go buy um, some more. Uh, so I want to go try their apple ale. Um, because remember oh, previously yeah. we had a conversation of when it's focused on a fruit or flavor or something like that, it's someone's interpretation. So with cherry, for example, or maybe, you know, whatever, you could have either a tart or a sweet taste, strawberry, mm-hmm. you know. With apple, you could have a sweet or a more crisp, bitter taste, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what their uh, interpretation of apple is for this. I'm right. kind of hoping it tastes like apple pie in liquid form, mm. but I don't want to set the bar too high. Yeah. Let's still go in there with expectations. Let's just go in there with mm-hmm. open joy and um, amazement, wonderment, if open you Open heart and open mind. That's how I kind of feel about this Christmas ale. She was talking about putting it in the, the four-pack and yeah. all that stuff. And as soon as she said, you know, It'll go good with cookies. I was like, I want cookies. Where are your cookies? <laughs> yeah, why don't, why don't we try this out? <laughs> My grandmother makes ginger snaps for Christmas. Ooh. And they are, you know, the first couple of days are kind of soft. 
That's exactly and what that with a little like. bit of a, an edge. And after a couple of three days, they're perfect for coffee, a nice little crunch. Mm. Ooh. Yes. All right. So Christmas sale, I'm going to give it a go. Smells good. Smells like holiday. You've got a little it's, bit of an edge. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> the Starbucks chai latte tastes like the Christmas season. It makes me want to light candles. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. Mm. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Hey. Hey. Unbelievably smooth. Unbelievably smooth. It's got a weird middle. Another special thing about today's episode is today is Bevel's birthday. No eye contact. He was afraid on that one. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be careful here. With you. <laughs> hey, so true, Happy birthday, Bevel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So true story. Um, <laughs> Matt and I went to Nexus to get some coffee today. Yeah. And I, I joked with him. I was like... Another good Little Rock yeah, spot. Yeah. Check out. So I told him, I said, no lie. Sometimes I wish I had Tourette's. So I could just yell out a cuss word. He's like, please don't. Like, I embarrass him. Did you him. do it? No, I didn't, because no. I respect that. Everywhere I go, I know I embarrass him anyway. What, so. what I told would your go-to I cuss said, word be? I said, have Tourette's with somebody else present. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would your go-to word be? I, I don't would know. Would you go big or would you go small? Uh, he, he always goes big. That's right. I, I would... Probably not want to go for the F word, but I don't know. I'm still fairly certain that there is a girl that works at Gearhead Outfitters oh that gosh. will remember our faces because of Bevel's five minute interaction with her. Oh, goodness. Five minutes is Are all you going to tell the story? I'm we shouldn't. Absolutely not. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It involves James Sherlock. Sherlock. Uh, <laughs> Episode two. Check it out. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about it another day. He and I were innocent bystanders, though. I just want That's that to know. pretty much what happens with Bevel, right? It, it, You're yeah. an innocent bystander. It was a conversation where I was dancing on the other side of the line, and as soon as I said what I said, everyone automatically agreed, whether they made eye contact or not. We're walking away from oh the situation goodness. in this conversation. Yeah, I think, I think James and I literally walked away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm fairly certain the girl would have, but she was stuck behind the Poor counter. Poor girl. She there. Hey, I got a good thing out of that. I got a free uh, Bigfoot. They had... Um, what is that it's, called? It was a Yeti. Yeah, it was like a, uh, a Yeti, Yeti promotional box. Oh, yeah. It's in my office still, yeah. yeah. So you got a, the promotional item and a restraining order. It was order. probably one of those yeah, things. She was like, so mortified she couldn't tell him no. We were going to charge you, but just please leave. Please. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gosh. <laughs> That's why you wonder if those like the retail spots have that emergency button underneath. Yes. Like one's for the police, the other one's for the manager. So I, I'm just going to go there. Uh, have you seen Home Alone 1 and 2? Yes. You. Yeah, we, met, we talked yeah, about Yeah, I was You saw just years one? Ago. Yeah. I just rewatch them. That's what we do uh, my, in my family. Anyway, you notice something different of movies every year? Mm-hmm. Um, the second movie, the thing I noticed that cracked me up is towards the end of them going through this fun house in New York, um, Kevin escapes down this rope and they start going down it. And uh, Mar- Marv asks Harry, I think it is. Yep. He asks him, he's like, you wear an aftershave? And then Harry's response, just bam, bam, bam. He goes, that's not aftershave. That's kerosene. The rope is soaked in it. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's like, just listen to what you're saying and think about what you should do next. So then it finally comes together and they start trying to climb up, but Kevin lights the rope on fire. (laughs) So hilarious. (laughs) And then with my daughters, we watched uh, two YouTube videos of doctors and nurses talking about each movie of, how many times they would have died from the head injuries? And oh all yeah, kind of from home like alone. That. Yeah, like throwing a brick at someone's head. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead. See, it's the you micro don't always machines. die from that. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's worse. You, you easily live. could. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right. So before we go off track, because <laughs> we, we already hello? have. <laughs> yes, Matt. What What do you find meaningful in your life that you want to talk about today? Uh, 
I, I think just really this conversation in general is meaningful. I just enjoy talking with people. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the greatest opportunities that we have, especially that actually, <coughs> believe it or not, that this COVID pandemic has provided uh, is just the chance to sit down and talk with people. Mm. You know, we got so busy and about our schedules and everything else, we forgot about that. But I just enjoy talking. I can waste several hours just talking. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you bring up a great point. Like when we are unable to have the interactions that we had before, the ones that we do have are so much more. Uh, They're intentional. Intentional. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've noticed that across the board this year that people are checking on one another. People care about one another and actually mean it, you know, mm. and it's been great. Yeah, I've had conversations with people I haven't talked to in almost 20 years. Right. Just because there's this this hunger for it. You don't get the casual interactions that you do when you're out shopping or at a restaurant or something. Right. And so you become intentional and you start to think about the people in the past that you've missed or the people that really worked on the, the fundamentals of what you are. And yeah. so it's helped me to reconnect with some old buddies from college, old fraternity brothers, and then just some casual acquaintances who may or may not know it, but had an impact on my life. And that's right. what I love about what the impact you have on people's lives because one person's memory of you or what you think is important uh, to someone else, they may not even remember. Or right. someone says, oh, da, 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 you did this. And I'm like, I don't even remember that, but it was <laughs> instrumental in your yeah. life. So I think that's pretty cool. So I think that's something for me is like, when you say acquaintances, I don't really consider anybody an acquaintance. I never have. Like I, uh, I can pick up somebody from high school and just continue on like we were together like yesterday. It just, oh wow! I've always been like that, you know. And, That's a uh, cool super superhero talent. Yeah, it's awkward power. for some people though because they're like, "I've met you one time, Mike, but it's okay. <laughs> I will lay down my life for you." You know. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm remembering this, but Matt and I were talking about uh, as pastors, you have people that you'll run into and they need help with something mm-hmm. and they'll tell you the exact same story. And so he told me something about that today. Like, wow, you, you're having a lot of fires in your life. You know, <laughs> I had a guy one time. Yeah. Uh, I met him three separate occasions when I was in North Little Rock. Once was at a Starbucks. Once was at uh, Panera Bread. And then the last time he actually came to the church and, uh, Every time it was, oh, can you help me? I just, I need $20, my uh, daughter, to get a bus ticket. My daughter um, was in a uh, horrible car accident in Chicago. So I think it was the second, third time. I was like, yeah, I remember you. Like, is this your same daughter or another daughter, you know? My wife had that same thing happen to her. Yeah. Yeah. And she was at the same place. It was like Lowe's parking lot, two days in a row. Uh, Yeah. And he was like, she said, weren't you supposed to go yesterday? Isn't that what you said you're going to do? You know, it's funny, though, that uh, encounter really led me to pray for him Mm -hmm. because... The third time when he came to the church, I just kind of called his bluff, and I, I was just like, look, what do you really need? And he was like, hey, can you give me a ride to Kroger? I'm like, yeah. yeah, I can do that. So he would not shut up the whole time in the car. If I just need 20 bucks, man. If you give me 20 bucks, God will bless you and this and that. And so I just started praying, like, God, what do you want me to, to say to him? How, right. do you, how do you want me to care for him? So finally, I uh, went, went up, you know, parked in the parking lot, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't give you $20 uh, for the way in which you're asking it. But I, what I can do is I believe that God has blessed me in order to bless other people. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to have this $20 bill and hope that you're blessed through it. Interesting. He had nothing to say, which was funny. <laughs> and that's, those are the kind of the actually as as uh, as much as an inconvenience it could be sometimes when you help people. That could be the hidden blessing sometimes where it's sort of like you catch their breath or you have an encounter with them where they've 
they just don't know how to respond. Yeah. Or maybe they see, hopefully, the character of God uh, through your life. I love the way you handled that because that's something I struggle with now and something I struggle with teaching my children too, right? So yeah. a long time ago, I would see someone who would, who would need some money. I'd give them money. I'd say, you know, it's not for me. It's up to what they want to do with it. Yeah. And then I, as I dived into more about how do we sustainably help people, how do we develop people? <laughs> and it's very contextual dependent upon their situation because yeah. there are, even here in North Little Rock, there are services enough to to cover all of the basic needs of people, whether they're homeless or in any definition of the homeless, meaning on a couch or on the streets, you yeah. know, there's that kind of stuff. So I, having this knowledge, recognize that when someone is trying to get money like that, that it's not necessarily for a need, but mm. it's for a want. Yeah. And But I also fall back to that, you know, I've been blessed or yeah. I, I feel like that what I have is not really of my own and I'm fully want to give it, but I had this hard struggle with it. And I like how you, you kind of took think, that in there. So honestly, what I want to say is I think it's more about leaning into the struggle than not struggling at all. Oh um, yeah. So for example, today, Matt and I going to Nexus, I was like, you know, we parked and I said, Hey, let's go through the alleyway. And then I ended up telling him, I don't like, I don't like going on the street because you have panhandlers that will ask your stuff. That's why I come there, uh, through the alleyway. And, and Matt made a comment and I was like, I probably should feel bad about that. But I think what we do is we either get so kind of closed off into I'm either never going to help anyone right? and everyone doesn't really have a need or you get so into kind of that blind thing of like, I'm just going to give everyone money and everything what they need and not even ask this between them and God and this and that. Right. And I think we miss out on one growing in our faith because a faith that's not struggling isn't faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, too, we don't have these moments where we learn or either are honest with ourselves and God. So there's some days where I'm just like, honestly, I'm like, not today, God. I just don't have it in me to approach the situation. So I don't want to come across as like I'm always that right. way where I'm helping somebody out. <clears throat> and so anyway. Here's a here's a challenge I want to extend to is next time you're in that situation, so many people just refuse to make eye contact or they pretend like they're on their phone or something else like that. And I invite you to. Look at someone in the eye, yeah. even if you're not going to give them any money or any assistance, and just validate them as a person through that eye contact, which is something that it's been been researched and been told that they they lack, mm, uh, yeah. as they feel degraded and not necessarily a person. So mm. just by looking at them and saying, not today, as long as you make that eye contact, I think that's instrumental in the development of a specific person. That's a good idea. Yeah. I've started just kind of taking each situation uh, as it comes, instead of looking at it, oh, it's a panhandler coming after me again, or... Oh, you know, do I give them this money? Is is that, you know, it's not up to me to decide what they do with it. Uh, but I've just kind of started taking each situation as an interaction with that one individual. And sometimes I do give them money and sometimes I don't give them money. Sometimes I'll buy them lunch and sometimes, you know, they don't want anything. They just want to be validated. You know, right. like you said. I thought you were going to be, mm. sometimes I steal their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that only happened once. That, That's fair. No. That little kid will never call me names again. Um, but I've just, I've just started taking each interaction with that individual as it can. Uh, and what I have noticed more than anything is more so than it helping them, it helps me. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds kind of high and holy type kind of thing. Um, but I feel like I leave feeling more appreciative of that interaction than they would you know Mm. they've got money they're better off now but i feel like i was the one actually better off and it's not so much that i felt like i changed their life or their situation but it's the fact that i could do that and it didn't affect mine and that's a that's a place to be in this world that a lot of people aren't yeah and it sounds like a 
it sounds like a connection to the essence and spirit of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And so the what I love to call the Holy Spirit, the divine in me is connecting with the divine in you, right? Which is we can talk about that in a yoga sense later, but you know, and I think when you have that that holy connection between people, that you are you can recognize that you're better off, right? But right. We can only hope and pray that the other person yeah. had that mutual experience well, as well. I mean, when the panhandler becomes John, who got arrested when he was 17 and now is 40 and was given a bus ticket when he got out of prison, had nowhere to go, and this is how he's here. Right. The whole story changes, and you're no longer talking to a panhandler. You're talking yeah. to a human with a story. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, Ooh, a name. David Hever, talk to you about Martin Buber. Is that like Bubier? No, Martin Buber. He was a German theologian. and Bonhoeffer? No, 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 no. Martin Buber. They were cousins. <laughs> Almost bought another book from him today, but I decided not to. Um, I think it was 2018 or 17. The best book I read that year was his book called I Thou. Mm. And my spiritual director in Louisiana taught me this, and I came to appreciate it the more I've reflected on it and put it into practice. Martin Buber said that in our relationships with other people, uh, we're the I and either they're a thou or they're an it. Mm. And a thou is someone who you respect as a person. You realize they've got their own backstory, their own life, things going on in their, their life. That's either a struggle, good things. And when you encounter them, you're truly encountering the presence of them and treating them with humility and dignity. An it is someone who you see nothing more as someone to use, someone to bypass, Mm -hmm. uh, someone that you're in selfish manners. Um, And one of the things is that I itness breeds I itness. You know, if 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 I came and recorded with you today and was like, all right, let's record, David, and just you know, like, not even give you a hug, not even say how how you how's your family been, all some of that. That I only see you in as much as you help me with this podcast. Not that I see you that way. Um, but as a thou, you look at someone and um, you see that there's so much more to them and that you encounter them and your presence meets them. Sort of like you're, you're saying the Christ in me meets Christ in you. And uh, I've got several stories about this because it's amazing, really. Um, my spiritual director shared a story of one time they had friends coming in and uh, they were already running late. And uh, he had to run to the store to buy some wine and some other stuff. So he ran in the store and he was waiting in this one line that, that was open in the grocery store. And uh, some uh, cu- uh, some worker came up and opened the next register and said, next person in line, please. So he's young and more spry, so he runs to the next checkout. And an older woman was in front of him with like a whole basket full. And so <laughs> the cashier looks up at him, no shame, is just like, sir, I said the next person in line. And so he had to stand there and watch this woman slowly walk mm-hmm. up with her grocery cart. And I'll never forget, he said... The woman looked at the cashier, looked at him, looked back at the cashier, and then looked at him and said, why don't you go ahead? It seems like you've got a lot going on right now. And he said, it was just like, I just felt like I melted into nothing, you know? Yes. And it's that reality of he was treating everyone in his circumstances like an it, and this woman treated him like a thou. And you can see this all over the place. One of the topics we need to talk about is road rage, because my friend Matt and I definitely struggle with road rage. But I don't struggle with it. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, you're winning. Uh, <laughs> but that's the thing I find, and I still have road rage, but like, I can tell now when I'm treating people like that, and how even if I can't change it in the moment, 
because of just my headspace wherever I am, at least I'm aware of it. So back to the grocery store line uh, situation. Uh, I know this really wise guy, and he said one time that the first shall be last and the last mm. shall be first. So make sure you don't elevate yourselves. Yeah. And I think that's a prime example of that and the humiliation that comes with that once you realize that <laughs> you're just a human on yeah. the street with the rest of the humans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of offended that you said I have a problem with you're road offended. rage. Let's I feel talk like about I'm this. pretty good at it. Let's <laughs> lean into it, friend. I feel like I am what? pretty good at it. You're what? good at having road rage? So, is uh, that a thing that let's, is let's beneficial? Let's hear some or? stories So of I road have rage. righteous road rage. I don't have road <laughs> rage. Here's the deal. I used to be a police officer. Okay. So I understand traffic law. Okay. <laughs> I'm a stickler for rules when it involves other people. So when you say rules, does that mean following the speed limit or no, going no, no, no. 10 over? Have I'm you curious. ever seen a police officer follow the speed <laughs> yeah. limit? We know, we know what he's talking about. Yeah. Keep going. So anyways, there's a percentage that you have to follow depending on the speed limit and the situation. So anyways, my biggest pet peeve... <laughs> And I think it shows the downfall in the situation the of humanity. Of man. <laughs> yes. When people get in the left lane oh. and they don't let people pass. Left lane. Now, notice I say that they don't let people pass. I don't say that they go the speed limit or slower than the speed limit. If they're going 90 and somebody comes up behind them, move over, let them pass. I don't care if you get back in the left lane, even though that's against the law. It says do not drive in the left lane. But then when they drive past the sign that says state law says slower traffic move to the right lane. Mm-hmm. I always like to get in front of them and slow down and hold my hand out the window and point at the sign. <laughs> um, because I think that shows. That's how the, good he is at uh, I think road that rage. shows the selfishness of humanity. <laughs> the refusal to move over to the and right what, lane. And it what is that reflecting seconds. of your own heart, Matthew? Ooh. That I love the law. <laughs> I love the law. That Old Testament guy yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Man. Like with rules comes order. With order comes respect. <laughs> and with respect comes love. <laughs> and no, it just it Tell drives me about me your childhood, Matt. <laughs> I had a great childhood. We didn't even have a car. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I had but to steal the car that I drove. <laughs> when my mule was faster than yours, you better get out of the way. Um, but no, it just it drives me crazy. And like when people aren't paying attention. And it's not that I'm frustrated that they're not doing what I want them to do. It's <laughs> that it? cars weigh a lot of a lot of weight, like six thousand pounds of metal going forty miles an hour. That's that's a lot of force behind mm-hmm. that. And so when you look at it as, oh, they might hit a mailbox. Well, that's great. What if that mailbox is a person? You know. And so for people to just be mindlessly driving, not paying attention, it crawls all over me. Yeah. I'm like, you're not just texting and driving. You are literally placing everybody around you at, at, at harm's risk. And I know they've got the infomercials and the TV commercials and all that. But it just how self-centered are you to where you're living in your own little bubble so much that physics is no longer applying to you and you can do whatever you want <laughs> so there's my righteous road rage <laughs> no I, I like this righteous road rage because it sheds light on the fact that we as a country pride ourselves on individual liberties and individual i don't know rights rights i guess even at the expense of others at the expense of others which in my opinion is very is- anti Christianity. Well, it's also anti-civility. Yeah. The whole definition of civilization is that people temper their own rights and abilities for the sake of the whole versus them in the midst of the whole. The greater good. The greater good, you know? But, and as people who have been in and around this pandemic have known, like, this is, these are certain issues. It's when things become 
less about the greater good and more about what you have to give up so someone else can have something. Right. And that's how do you judge it? And, and, it, and I, I'm going to be the first one to say, like, there's a limit for me of what I would give up so that myself or my family would be. And I think it's different for other body. But well, let's be honest. During this pandemic, what all have we really had to give up? What kind we, of civil liberties have we had to sacrifice? We've had to modify a few things. We have had to give up very little. We're mm. sitting in a restaurant right now. I like now. you say that. Yeah. You know, Not wearing masks. Yeah. I mean, we have to wear a mask, but... Hey, some of these people hadn't brushed their teeth in a few weeks anyways. That's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> well, and we, it took some time to get here too, right? Yeah. Like we didn't just wake up and say, okay, we're going to do whatever we want. We said, well, we have to, we have to play into what civilization and society wants right. so that we can get to this point where we are now. Right. And so that's, but that's, but that's so much more than that. Like it, it can relate to so many different things. Tell us about it, Bevel. Oh, I don't know. I'm just listening. <laughs> Think about trying to go get that apple ale. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, uh. I love the, and I'm going to probably stir up a hornet's nest. I don't Do want it. to here. I love the, oh, it's my uh, religious freedom to not wear a mask. How? <laughs> I just, I don't. And the Lord uh, thus saith, don't just ever like, wear a mask. I'm just like, really? I just don't see. That's a. I don't understand that argument. Unfortunate blending between politics and polity and religion. And yeah. religion. yeah. So, but anyway, that <laughs> that's a podcast in and of well, itself. Well, I mean, I just even even your political rights. I don't see how wearing a mask is an infringement upon your rights. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I don't I don't get it. Well, <laughs> I still feel like I have all my rights. You know, I actually bought I people uh, just don't one like those, to be told what to do. I don't even know these called like in in inner mask structure thing. It's made out of silicone. It helps you breathe. Is that like silicone? Uh, yeah, silicone. I like it. It's helpful. Silicon. Silicon. I'm going to steal some windows. <laughs> so, Matt, what brings you joy besides conversations? Um, where are you from? Where do you live? I'm I'm from El Dorado originally, but I live in Wynn, Arkansas. I'm the pastor at Wynn First Methodist Church. W-I-N-N-E. You're a pastor out there? Yes. I didn't know you were a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the pastor at Wynn First United Methodist Church. Been there about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So. Crap. I got to talk differently to you because you're a pastor. Sorry, I've been with Bevel all day. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> but have you ever noticed that that when people find out that you work in the church, because I'm a missionary, yeah. Um, when you work in the church, like the conversation automatically takes this weird tangent. Yeah. You know, I, I ran into a guy this weekend when we were down in downtown Little Rock box sliding. So this guy, I love this guy. He was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, he is out of Virginia, and what he does is he infuses CBD oil with mushrooms into vitamins oh, wow. and sells them. And he's telling me about how, you know, he, he gets around these things and does stuff and, you know, whatever. Uh, and he's like, you know, what kind of work you do? And you can always tell about a person with the questions they ask. The first question I like to ask, and I'm not always good at this. I always like to ask, you know, who are you as opposed to what do you do? Right. Because I want to know where you put your focus. If right. I say, who right. are you? And you say, well, I'm a lawyer and I do this. I'm like, okay, well, your focus is on your job. Right. Definitely. It's like, what, what do you do? What, what, how do you rank right. yourself? And so, so many people do that. They're like, you know, what do you do? What kind of work are you in? I'm like, I work for the Methodist Church. And he's like, oh. And then it's like, we just but steer we this. we pray con- for these mushrooms. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And the conversation steers to, well, you know, and I had this experience and that experience. And yeah. so, have you had that? So honestly, about 10 years ago, I guess it was, uh, when my kids started getting out and doing things, I actually quit introducing myself as the pastor and I quit even talking about it. And uh, I would know some people for like 
two or three weeks before they know I was a pastor. And uh, everybody's like, what are you ashamed to be a pastor? Are you ashamed of the gospel? You know, throwing all that stuff out there. I'm oh, like, my goodness. no, I just don't want to intimidate somebody out of a real relationship. Uh, yeah. And or so real once conversation. they find out that I'm a pastor, they're cool with it because we've already got that relationship, that one-on-one understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really what keeps me from making acquaintances. Yeah. You know, I allow people to be real and genuine mm-hmm. and not afraid to be who they really are. And then once they see who I am or what my vocation is, then it doesn't matter. Um, and I'll tell you what brought that on was my son played T-ball when he was five years old. And there was a dad on the team. Um, well, of course there was a dad on the team. I wasn't the only dad of all those right. kids, obviously. Um, <laughs> and this but, dad wasn't you. Right, right, yeah. Um, but we had an incident where this mom got upset that the coach told her son that if he wasn't going to play, he could go sit on the bench because there was other kids that wanted to play. Yeah. And, like, she went out on the field and, like, let him have it. And then the dad shows up and finds out what happened. And so he, he apologized to everybody and all that. And then the next day, mom apologized. And you could tell she did just because she had a bad day. Yeah. And she had reached her wits yeah. end. And, uh, and I was sitting there talking. I was like, you know, it's kind of cool that she had the humility to, uh, to reach out and, and email everybody and talk about, you know, I am a Christian and I acted like an idiot yesterday, uh, yeah. so excuse me. And uh, this dad that I was talking to looked at me. He goes, so what do you do for a living? I was like, oh, I'm a youth pastor. He goes, I knew you were a Christian. I was like, what do you mean? He said, I could just tell by the way you talked and the way you act when I've been watching you that you're a Christian. Mm, And dude, we had never talked about that, but he knew it. And so you would think somebody would be proud, like, yeah, I'm getting it right. It scared the crap out of me (laughs) because I was like, what if I had got it wrong? Yeah. What if I had given him the wrong image or the wrong impression or something like that? And so I've just always made it a point. I don't ever bring up the fact that I'm I'm a pastor because I want to first and foremost be a real person to them. Right. And I want to get those things to uh, get things out of the air. Mm. And that way, if they ever do need to see me or consider me in that pastoral light, they're not afraid to. Yeah. You know, they know who I am. They know I'm a real person. I think that's a lot of the problem that's, that, the, that we have in church is when people, when people put pastors on pedestals or treat them like they're not. I hate when the, people the try to do that. The expectations they put on, on you guys that. as pastors is very no. difficult because that means think about the self guilt of pastors when they when when they do something that's counter their whatever you know and that's that's so difficult and when you have such a a, a position of eternal significance it should be something that's mutual right. and not something that's you, you have teach to use me. the same rules that you use in prison. First day you're in there, you go find the biggest, baddest person. <laughs> you beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Hold on, Matt. Hold on. He was making fun of me in the car because I listen to a band that has a song called Prison Sex. It is the worst Yet music You were talking about we need to act like we're in prison. No, not like that. We about to fight. Now I'm offended. We need to get a sound his music. Effect. Do you remember when we his did that crossover episode? And uh, was it Bill hit this button and a sound effect happened? Yeah. We need to do a sound effect for when, <laughs> like, you take this on a tangent and we're just like, it sounds something like, <laughs> like bring us back, please. Yeah. His music is awful. Uh, it is some it's of it's not, okay. It's your no, opinion. <laughs> no, none of it is I okay. I listen to a, a Japanese band called Nekarai Talki, and Matt thinks it's awful music. I happen to like it. It is horrible. And it's part of my growth. Have you ever seen uh, the cartoon Sing? Yeah, I love that yeah, show. So the little, kids, the little Japanese that pandas show. that come yeah. out. And, yeah, that's what they sound like. That's what is this that, band sounds like. Well, so the Korean boy band that just came out, they just, like, they went, what, stock or something and made billions of dollars. Yes. Yeah. So there, there's a crowd that likes it. Yeah. So I think we've hit on something here about how, I mean, not with this, but how, how people, 
um, interact with you before they know that you're in work for the church and after you work for the church. And my question is, why is that? Because a lot of what I try to do is is support pastors because I don't mm. think pastors get enough support. I think it's because they, they've either had bad experiences or oh. they're going off of what they think pastors are like without having good examples of what a pastor is like well, to I think, interact with. I think for so long, pastors gave an unrealistic relationship expectation to people. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times when you think of a pastor, do you think of somebody... Uh, and I'm going to go old school here. Wears a suit and tie that's kind of crispy and, and unapproachable. Yeah. 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 You know, and some people <laughs> expect that and they won't accept anything else. But most people now are scared to death of that image. That's somebody of control. That's somebody of authority. That's somebody of perfection. So this is an interesting, like, cultural shift in in religion, too. And what, what it used to be. And think about how we approach different situations with a lot more respect for authority, a lot less questioning. And so we could have that crisp pastor who was always inevitably a white male doing this thing. And then now we have this this society that's like, you know, I can't relate to that. How are we more projected upon what we are as a society, as we, as we change as a, as a demographic? Like, how do we right. project ourselves on that? Well, did we hold that pastor in authority in the first place? Or was it kind of a feigned... You're respected for your role rather than like who you actually are or what you do. Right. There was no real community there because you saw that person as above you and not really. That's interesting because you can do that with other things besides pastors. And with that, though, I think think is that maybe perception has changed from seeing the presence of God rather than vertically as horizontally. Yes. Uh, That God is with us and among us, not that God is so far and distant and high above us. But and how fitting for Advent and Christmas that God is willing to come down and be with the people—the horizontal God versus the vertical God. <laughs> so Ooh, I'm going to go on a bevel tangent. I want a t-shirt. Here. <laughs> I'm going to go on a bevel tangent here. Yikes! And uh, every time I take a drink of this fruit cake, I'm sitting there going, "Man, <laughs> you, you can really taste the alcohol in here." And I look down; it's eight point two percent. I'm like, "That makes sense." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that why? Mm. Bevel is being silly. I, don't I know. say what this apple <laughs> ale is quite crisp and nice. It is like yeah. it, this is early fall right here. Yeah, I like it. So would I you say it's like a like uh, Honeycrisp or more like a Granny Smith crisp? Definitely a Honeycrisp, and I think this is a good bridge for the cider drinkers who don't like beer. Come oh, check out the apple perfect. ale here. Yeah, that's and perfect. It, it'll get it. I'm, I'm gonna have to take some of this to my sister. Do you remember the candies, the Manzanas? No. Oh, oh yeah, it does oh. confuse like that. I used to tear those up in middle school. That's what that tastes like. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. So there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy stuff that that you guys face and that we face in this stuff. And that's why I'm I'm thankful for this podcast because we can kind of like dance around these issues, but we can raise them up in a more accessible way for people too. So lightning round questions for Matt. Uh, do you prefer a funeral or a wedding? A funeral. Ooh, I would not have expected that. Why? Tell us why. Uh, because funerals are celebrations of life and their lives that have already been lived and proven themselves, whereas weddings are usually high-stress environments mm. where the bride really doesn't know what she wants because she wants to be what she wants to happen, but she also understands there's the mom and the mother-in-law, uh, but then they don't want to leave the groom out. Or it's the other side where they just want everything their way and nobody else matters. Uh, and they're always just kind of high tension things. Um, mm-hmm. But I will tell you, the last couple of weddings that I've done have been kind of fun um, because there again, I try to build an actual relationship with the couple before yeah. 
instead of just being, I'm the preacher, you're the couple, let's, let's move on this, you know? Um, and so it kind of allows me to kind of steer and direct the preparations and the excitement of it and all that. Um, and I've really started talking about, you know, the reverence of the marriage ceremony. Like this is not just something between you and your families. This is something where God is in the middle of, and we need to consider that. But man, I love, I love funerals. I know it sounds so bad, <laughs> no. um, but I love hearing the stories of these people that have passed away and hearing, you know, the way that they're going to be remembered and the things that their loved ones have said. And, and even people that really haven't lived the best of life, you hear from their family. You know, he was a, I did a funeral for a guy I'd never met before. His family just needed a pastor to do the funeral. And so buddy that's the manager of a funeral home called me and they're like, hey, would you do this funeral for me? They're going to pay you. And I'm like, I don't care if they're going to pay me, dude. Yeah, I'll do it, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, well, tell me about the guy. And they told me a little bit. So I wrote kind of, you know, what I was going to talk about. And they're like, yeah, that's that's not really him at all. Like, he believed in God, but he was not wasting his time going to church. Yeah. It definitely was not going to come out in his conversation. And so I was like, okay. And so I just talked about the fact that everybody that remembered him will remember how he was a genuine person. And that he didn't try to portray anything that he was not. And he was confident enough yet humble enough that you could take him as he is. And, you know, that was his legacy, that he was a good dude to everybody. And uh, and so I just kind of tied that in with the fact, you know, that Jesus Christ desires a relationship with us that is not so much a take it or leave it because you don't want to leave what he has to offer you. And uh, his wife afterwards was like, you know, you did... You did pretty good with that, you know? And I was like, oh, well, that's cool, because I was really struggling. <laughs> it's a thing um, of, like, you did good for never meeting this person. Yeah. Or, like, meeting them when they weren't really themselves. Yeah. So I had a, uh, a guy that <laughs> passed away at our church about a year ago that I'd never met. He had been in the nursing home beforehand. But just meeting with his family and hearing stories and all that, after the funeral, one of his nephews come up, and he said, you know... You took an uncle that I thought was kind of weird and, and outlandish, and he said, you made me kind of wish that I had known him better. <laughs> and he said, you've never met him. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I try. Um, I, I can't but, imagine the difficulty of having to do that with someone you don't. Well, what I try to do is I just really try to tie how is their individuality a reflection of the creator. I mean, and that's what it really all boils down to is that every person that walks this earth, no matter where they are in their relationship with Jesus, no matter where they are, uh, you know, anywhere on any side of any fence or coin or however you want to place them, there is still something within them, as Paul says, that is a reflection of the Creator. You know, they bear the image of God in them. And so how can I bring that out to remember their life? And I, I think that's what I like. He preaching now. God, love it. Amen. So, last question. Oh, he's our timekeeper today. Last question. <laughs> what... Because this is our, we'll call this the Christmas episode. Who knows? I mean, we're, we're in December. It's December, yeah. It's your birthday. We're drinking Christmas <laughs> slash Christian ale, as we've <laughs> colloquially called it. Um, I have a story about Christian I ale. I want to be too. baptized in that ale. What? You've got, you've, got to, you've got to let me share my Christian ale story. Share your Christian ale story, but we're going to come back to what are question. you excited about for the Advent season? So think about that while you share your your Christmas ale story. Um, so what am I excited about the Advent? No, 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 no. Christmas ale season. <laughs> oh, Christmas ale season first. Okay, so last year I got on this um, beer kick, I guess you would say, where I was more so. I call so, that life. Yeah, I call that Tuesday. <laughs> um, where I was just more so uh, on the, the verge to find, or on the, the adventure to find beer and stuff like that. And I uh, 
was like, I'm going to read up on the history of some beer and their um, people that have made it over the years. I don't know why. I just did. And so I came across this book called God and Guinness or The Search for God and Guinness. And it was it was a biography of how beer changed the world. And, you know, I just thought it was funny that there's so many people in the church that are just against beer and alcohol and drinking and all that. And then the actual story of the Guinness family and how they started their brewery to raise money for the church and all this and how it still sets the example of the company that took care of its people. Like they had a private doctor that worked just for Guinness and they required their employees to take vacation and spend time with family and each um and each employee had like all these insane benefits that companies today would just melt over the idea of even having to do half of that. <laughs> um, but it talked about the community that was brought out of beer. And so I've always considered Guinness as the Christian ale nice, uh, just because of that one story. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, so what I'm looking forward to in this Advent season, um, so our church is actually doing a study of a book called Almost Christmas, and it's looking at the John Wesley Sermon of Almost Christian, talking about how on the outside, people can look, you know, 100% like what a Christian is supposed to look like, yet on the inside, they miss that resurrection power of Jesus Christ that actually gives that new life the meaning mm. and the ability to do what Christ has said in, in the Gospels. And it's, it's taking that term and saying Almost Christmas, and mm. how often do we talk about faith, hope, love, and joy, yet we never truly experience it? And so there's this, definitely no peace in yeah. there. Yeah. Mm. And so this past week was was peace, which it's yeah. not in the same order that I'm used to, and that's throwing me off, but I'll be okay. <laughs> uh, but it was about peace, and I had just had a, a personal issue happen that week before, where I was not feeling peace whatsoever, and I had to be reminded as I was preaching that Sunday morning that peace is not. The peace that Christ offers is not what is based on our situation, our circumstances, but it's based on what is inside of us. And it's only when we have peace inside of us that we can look to our left and our right and look through our situation in the situation of that person and see the heart of the person there. Hmm. And uh, so as I was sitting there, uh, we've got two services in the first service. I was really kind of struggling with it. And I was like, man, why am I having to preach? It's like I was really praying. I was like, please let me get COVID today. Please let me get COVID. <laughs> I mean, because I was, I was struggling. Um, he on the struggle bus. And, and one of the leaders at my church, you know, he was there through the whole situation. So he knew where I was. And he said, I'm going to pray for peace for you today. Yeah. And I was like, everybody always says that. He said, no. He said, I'm serious, though, because you need it. Yeah. You need peace. And I said, you know, it's funny as we're talking about peace tomorrow. And he started laughing. He goes, that's a God thing. There it is. <laughs> um, but by the second service, as I really began to hear those words, like this just calmness just came over me. And it's almost that understanding that all things work for good to those that love God. Mm. And I was just sitting there going, that's what that peace is. And so by the end of it, I was like, don't let this Advent season pass you by without being able to fully experience what it means when the birth of Christ happened in the midst of humanity. That's big stuff. And that is not, you know, hitting all the sales. That's not yeah, making right. sure Christmas dinner is right. Checking off the list. I want to try and yeah. pull something out. You said... When I heard those words, what do you mean by that? When I heard those words, um, just like from him or like the, from the sermon, or? from the sermon, really. Yeah. And then I had a I had a church member text me afterwards, and he's like, you know, I feel like you were preaching to me this morning. And I was like, well, to be honest with you, dude, I said I think I was probably <laughs> to talking me. to myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, you know, I think it's funny because I was the one that wrote the sermon. Yeah. But in reality, it wasn't written on my heart mm. until I heard it 
that time. Wow. And I mean, and it's it's like one of those supernatural things where this peace <laughs> just flooded over. Talk about the power of the spoken word from which you yes. put it down to where yes. it comes out. Yes. Mm. And yeah. the transformation it takes into um, that. Mm. So uh, there is a book that I read in college, uh, The Story of God's Story of Us. And um, the guy that wrote it's going to hate me because... We're friends from seminary, and I can't remember his name, and I feel so bad. <laughs> He'll come to you right I, I after. I just went blank. Yeah. As soon as I get home, I'll go, oh, that's, yeah. Um, Martin Bieber. No, not definitely not. Um, <laughs> Buble? But uh, anyways, it, it talks about the importance of speaking the Word of God. Because we sit and we read the Bible. We have our, our quiet times, you know, quotation marks up there. Hmm. With but, kids, <laughs> but it was meant to be spoken. Yeah, because when it's spoken, it's within community, and when we read it, it's by ourselves. And yeah, hundred percent. When we speak the word of God, we hear it better than if we just read it for ourselves. And the word became flesh, right? Yes. And it's it's when the word is spoken is so when good, it becomes good segue. Flesh. In life. I yeah. uh, just finished a sermon series on um, that. Don't mean that uh, kind of joke. <laughs> Joking about that, you know, a princess bride thing of like, I don't think that means what you think it means, you know? <laughs> Inconceivable. And so we looked at different you keep words. using that term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we looked at like different words or phrases in the Bible and, and I talked about like what it actually means, not what we have sometimes misinterpreted to mean. One of them I did was word of God. Mm. And I said, I actually went through a season in my life where I would cringe whenever I heard that phrase because I always thought. What does that person think they mean? That that what does that, does that person think they think that means? You know. Um, so anyway, the word of God uh, is the present voice of God, and it's only powerful in the written word of God, in as much as it connects with that present voice and the God of the universe. Um, so anyway. I'm excited about Advent because I'm just following the lectionary. And for those of y'all listening that might not know what it is, um, we have a Christian calendar with seasons and different things. Um, and there are, was it three or four years, I think. And then we like, we rotate around and each Sunday and actually each day has certain scriptures. And so I'm always fascinated with picking those and seeing the connection. So, um, Right now, it's Isaiah, which mm-hmm. is tough. Like, I just acknowledge with people, even in the church, like, the prophets are hard to understand. Yeah. Let's yeah. go ahead and go there. Um, but the theme already that I'm seeing is, you know, last week we talked about how um, Israel or Judah, really it was, the tribe of Judah, were taken in exile and how it was awkward of whenever you have something going on between you and another relationship and there's distance between the last time you've spoken or seen each other, you're like, "Uh, how's that going to go? Things are awkward and stuff. And so the whole, whole point uh, was of just waiting and that God works for those that wait. And this next week is that God is actually present and already speaking. Mm. And one of the, I was telling Matt this earlier, one of the hard verses um, this week that I'm covering is, um, one of the angels that is speaking to Isaiah to share this with Judah is saying, you know, cry out, speak out to these people. Humans are grass. They're like grass that withers. And the paradox is that they are in exile because they followed their own way and not what God wanted. They didn't listen to the voice of God or the commandments of God and they follow their own. And so it's that reality of I can either choose my own permanence and my own self-focus, our own focus as a nation, even though 
God's supposed to be leading us and I will wither away like grass. Or I can acknowledge this covenantal relationship with God and that God determines not just individually, but as a people, what God's going to do, which that, that whole, uh, I think it's Isaiah 40. It's uh, part of, part of it is that um, cry in the wilderness, uh, um, make straight the paths for your God, which we know is John the Baptist talking about right. Jesus. And so I'm just excited to see that we're not only waiting expectantly uh, in Advent, but we're expecting and actually experiencing God's presence and God speaking to us. So nice. a cool point. Um, that book is written by Sean Gladding. So he Sean, looked it up. if you ever hear this, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, dude. So sorry. <laughs> um, but the setting actually opens up with Israel in um uh, in exile. Mm. Yeah. And so they're sitting around the, the campfire talking about how angry they are that God has forgotten them and God has, you know, let them be conquered and thrown out of their land. And then this old guy comes in and he begins to sit around the store, the uh, fire every night and tell their story. And within like four or five nights, you know, the first night, everybody's kind of looking down at him and they're like mad about this guy that's basically telling them they're the reason that it is and all that. But throughout their time around the fire, he really brings out the beauty that God desired in that relationship and how mm. it was their own pride and their own selfishness that ruined that relationship. And he said, but all those through all through all those things, God loves us. Yeah. And he said, that's what we are doing right now is we are truly again beginning to experience the love that God has for us. And that's what sitting around this fire is, is our hearts are breaking. Um, and it just talks about how. He finally got up and he left the fire. The first night, everybody left him at the fire. Mm. And then at this point, he gets up and his story's done for the night and he leaves. It says that everybody just sits around the fire. And it mm. talks about how their eyes were glazed over and all that. Mm. Um, but it's that same thing, you know, making straight the path in the wilderness. He was talking about John the Baptist who came from the wilderness to prepare the way for Jesus. But how can we take that and say that in our own hearts? Prepare the way in the wilderness of our spirit, of mm. our sin and all those things. And make a way for God to come back and to redeem what has been lost. And right. I've, I've I've had that sense that Advent this go round feels more like Lent to me, mm. even though we're expecting the birth of Jesus, um, a little seven pound baby, golden diaper Jesus. Um, but that also it's not like we're just waiting around aimlessly. Right. God is at work right now. Yeah. This is a season of preparation for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love it. I, I'm really excited about Advent this year. Good. And, and I, I just am because it is more of that reverence that I think comes with the Lenten season. Mm. Something big is about to happen. And I think this year, because of the pandemic more so than ever, we've been forced to slow down and to consider we need peace right now. When we didn't realize it before, we've always needed peace. The world has always been chaotic. But now we realize it. We need love right now. Yeah. We've always needed it, but now we realize it. And I love this concept of the horizontal God. Like I keep coming back to that, the vertical and horizontal <laughs> yeah. God and how that fits into into where we are. I'm trying to think who I initially heard that from. I think it was on a uh, interview um, podcast. Um, is it Barbara Brown Taylor maybe? Maybe so. Um, but that is Brene Brown. No, it's not Brene Brown. But that's messed me up since I've heard it and thinking about how beneficial that is. The problem though with that could be that you quickly could turn that into almost like 
God's here and forgiving me and my best friend, then I don't need to have like respect or reverence for God. And no. that's not the case, you know. But yeah, but I mean, we could always take that into a different, and more maybe that's selfish as a, desire. Maybe that's but. as a pastor. We always, I, I know I'm concerned with people misunderstanding things, um, me misunderstanding things, you know. Yeah. So Well, it, it's Advent. It's a time to to prepare. To spread Christmas to be, cheer. <laughs> have expectations and to know that every day as we approach this, we're looking more and more towards the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah. And how can we be a part of that? I've really tried to limit. And again, I feel like this is a holier and now thing, so I haven't shared it with anybody. I've really tried to limit how I um, refer to this season as the Christmas season. Mm. And I really want to hang on to the Advent part because yeah. I'm preparing for what happened on one day. And if I say Christmas season, then it's all in by the time Christmas gets here, it's all blurred down. And that is actually the downslope. Right. But the reality of it is, is we're not yet to the climax. You know, we're mm-hmm. still working up the peak here. And so I've probably been to, to be intentional about that. Matt, I'm just worried about keeping Christ in Christmas. All right. Oh, yes. <laughs> they better not make me wear a mask on Christmas. <laughs> it's my rights. As we digress. Man, this has been a good episode. This has been a good time. I think we need to have Matt on again for sure. Yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Let's rate the beers. I'm going to Let's rate, <laughs> rate the beers. All right. Let's rate the beers and, uh, <laughs> and close this out. All right. So I've struggled. Wait, were you doing that as like, we're going to edit this out? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally going to edit out some of this stuff. So, so David, how about we rate the beers? <laughs> Do it again. So let's rate the beers. <laughs> I'm, I'm really serious about rating these beers. All right. Like I have been. Get your game face on. What you got, Matt? So here's how I'm going to rate these beers. I'm going to rate the Rainbow Connection as number one on my list. Oh. It was the last one on my flight. It was good. And uh, I actually saved it for last because I was afraid if I had another choice, I wasn't going to get it. But I really like it. And honestly, I could have it at the house all the time. It's mm. a breakfast beer. So it's really cool since I got married. Um, I have another refrigerator in my garage, <laughs> and we had probably 12 cases of beer left over from our wedding. Can you tell me your address? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Come on over. We're going to go anytime. camping by Matt's house. Yeah. yeah right. um, I have given cases of beer to everybody. Like, they're like, I'm like, we're going to go ahead and rate ever. the beers now. <laughs> um, but this Rainbow Connection is just, it's easy drinking, it's good. And honestly, I have to remind myself that it's a beer because yeah. it ha- it doesn't have any bite to it. Um, and then I would say the free range for just a good everyday drinking beer. That brown is is a, is a good. Yeah, the like Christmas it. ale is like a celebratory beer. Like it is <laughs> when I drink it from now on, I'm going to remember this podcast and talking about preparing for Advent. Nice. That is how I have remembered it. Uh, the fruitcake was good, mm-hmm. um, but I mean the eight point two percent alcohol really comes out. It's yeah. got good flavor, but at the end you really feel the alcohol at the end. Um, but I have been to Flyway several times, and mm-hmm. every time I'm here, the hospitality is amazing. Never Absolutely. disappointed the in the beer beers. Is yeah, amazing. So good. yeah, the atmosphere is just awesome. They're yep. great. Yep. I think That's my, what you got. My number one's pale ale. Number two, it's wait, a toss up. Wait a second, huh? Good job. Good job on the pale ale. You're welcome. My number two is probably the fruitcake, three Mm -hmm. coffee stout, and then Xmas ale is last. Wait a second. So, although I I do think the fruitcake took precedent over the coffee cake. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to share some behind the scenes stuff. I spilt my beer accidentally, so Uh, I think I mixed up some of the beers. So, (laughs) I can say with confidence, I like the pale and the coffee stout, the fruitcake, and the Xmas ale. 
I, it's the a Xmas ale. I didn't really drink much of it because that's the one that's built. The Xmas okay. ale, you taste spice, and mm-hmm. the fruitcake, you taste alcohol. Sweetness. Yeah. yeah. So I like tasting alcohol. I, like, I, uh, I love the sherbet. The rainbow sherbet, oh, so good, it was very good, so good. Yeah. I, I'll Got say that's my second now favorite so beer. So that I can keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's my second favorite beer, only because my first favorite beer, and not of the flight, but of just in general, is the Low Flock. Their hazy IPA. It's my favorite mm. of all the hi- hazy IPAs, hands down. Um, and also had the Christmas ale, and I'll get back to that. The coffee cake stout was really good, and I was impressed with it because it wasn't overbearing. It was nice and super smooth. See, it was good. I didn't get that because I really like coffee cake. Yeah, and Ooh. I didn't want my opinion of the beer changed <laughs> be because I am a coffee cake connoisseur. <laughs> um, but I will say here, as we were sitting here talking about the Rainbow Connection, I was wondering how good it would do if you did like a beer can chicken with it. Ooh, because mm. of the flavor range of it, I bet it would be stinking phenomenal. You know what my family calls the beer can chicken? We call it the beer butt chicken. Because, I mean, essentially, you just kind of shove the can up the butt of the chicken. I think that's what it was called in the beginning, wasn't it? <laughs> in the 1800s. Quick aside, I actually ran across an article the other day about, uh, I think it was like nine reasons why, um, what, what do you call it, a, a shower in the beer? No, beer shower. Beer shower is... Oh. I still have not worked up the courage to try that. I mean, it's a cold me? season right now. What is a so beer shower? The beer... The beer shower is one of the most holy experiences. You drink a beer in the shower. No, but it, you know, oh, I do not, that like every day. <laughs> but see, but you have to reserve it for something special. After I used to do it after soccer games, mowing or, the grass. Yes, yes, exactly, or something like that. And you have the dichotomy of the very cold beer in a can or in a bottle mm. and the hot shower. So I have a confession. Break. Oh, it's so good. When I was in college, when I was in college, after I was twenty-one, I want to throw that out there as a disclaimer. Um, my Louisiana, favorite though. thing to do. Yes, that's right. Was mow the yard and drink the Miller Chill. It Miller was the, Chill? the um, lime infused yes. Miller. I don't know why they quit making it. That was a foolish decision on Miller's part. It was the best thing ever. But I used to look forward to mowing grass, and I kid you not, my yard looked like a golf course for two years straight. <laughs> Every day. Just about. Just to drink the beer. Just about. The yard was small enough that I could mow it in about 45 minutes. I picture you like peeking out of the window like, oh, it's getting tall. I need to go do it. Dude, I would go out there and do something just to work up a small sweat so that I could uh, justify it. All right, See, last story. Wait. I promise. Share the Hooter story with the youth group. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. So I'm scared. So your interest is peaked. No, I'm scared. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a confession there. I used to think that the Methodist Church was a cult. Okay. I grew up in an evangelical Bible church, and then <laughs> wait I started. Wait, wait a second. What does this have to do yeah. with Hooters? You, threw, you, you thought the Methodist Church was a cult, and you grew up in an yes. evangelical. Yes. Okay. So here's <laughs> the deal. Tracking here. Um, and so I started going to a Baptist church in high school, and you know they. That's not. I'm not even gonna finish that statement. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> I was going to say they teach you that, but they don't. That's not true at all. Um, but I had never had any dealings with the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. I had a grandfather, a great grandfather, that was a Methodist pastor, but that was it. You know, um, I just never had any dealings with them. And so, um, a friend's mom called me to ask me to come be in their youth pastor, and I wouldn't do it. So after six months, I was like, okay, God must be up to something. So I'm going to try it out. So I went, and uh, the only question they asked me in the interview is, "What do you want to teach these kids?" I said, "I want to teach them to fall in love with the Word of God." That was it. That's all they wanted to hear, and I was hired. And so we went on a trip to the beach because used to youth groups used to do that. Now you can't do anything. You don't do ski trips. You don't do beach trips. You just meet when people choose to come to church, and Mm. that's it. So we went to Orange Beach, and we got a late start. So we got there at like 11 o'clock at night, and the only thing open was a Hooters. Oh, no. And 
the only part I remember about Hooters was when I was in high school, my Sunday school teacher at the Baptist church would take us to Hooters in Monroe. We would go down to Louisiana yeah, Tech yeah. and go to Common Ground, yeah. and then we'd go over to, and he said, it's just a restaurant. He said, you can't tell me that these girls wear anything worse than any of you other girls wear when you go to the pool. He said, don't even give me that. And I was like, that's a valid point. It's we need to call point. this the surprising episode. I, David's so, face like, what? Yeah, <laughs> surprising. And so, and so we, we get there, and the only thing open in Orange Beach is Hooters. And so I was like, I'm finna get fired. That's okay. I'll get fired. <laughs> so we pull into Hooters, and like the manager, I see him peering out the window. You got the church, all, the church yeah, side of the yeah, bus. Yeah, the church buses. <laughs> we and, love all people. So anyways, all of a sudden, all these waitresses go in the back room, and they come out wearing polo shirts. Like the manager has made them go put on a polo shirt over their, their tank tops to serve this church wow. group. And I will tell you, it was one of the best restaurant experiences with a youth group I've ever had. Like, shout out to Hooters Orange Beach. Surprise. More surprise. No questions, David. You can't ask any questions. We yeah. promised. <laughs> no questions. Flighty thoughts. Meaningful <laughs> conversation over a flight of beer. Join us next time. Adios. We hope that you found meaning in these conversations today <laughs> as we have pegged all areas <laughs> of crazy. And, uh, yeah, we'll as the Advent season comes upon us, we hope you are in joyous expectation. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, and have found meaning in this. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, and find us anywhere you can. Thanks. Merry Christmas. <laughs>